This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You can now subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and save 20% every single time when you get signed up for that Strava Craft Coffee subscription. We know a bunch of you have taken advantage of the one-time code. Of course, it's DNVR20. But now you can save 20% off of your favorite coffee forever, and you'll never have to enter your credit card info again. If you've never tried the rich, tasty CBD-fused Strava Craft coffee, you can use the code DNVR and save 20% off your first order. If you're a huge fan of Strava, you can just say, hey, send it to my house every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks and have it ready to go so you never have to wake up in the morning and say, oh, God, I'm out of coffee. They'll have it sent straight to you, so that'll never happen again. Use use code DNVR20 if you just want to try it once or get signed up for that subscription. Get 20% off every single time. It's pretty darn amazing. And, of course, you can always come down to the DNVR bar and get some of our Strava Craft Coffee CBD-infused cold brew that's on tap at the DNVR bar. It's all delicious. So check out Strava Craft Coffee today. Happy, happy Friday, and welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. MSUDenver.edu slash online to scope out everything they have to offer. It is the number one place in the metro area to get your education and get and further that education. 750 classes, so many different ways uh, to you know, really get what you've been wanting to get done while being able to continue living your life. Rigorous and affordable programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. So check out msudenver.edu slash online today. My boys, what's up? Happy Friday, man. I'm so pumped for this pod and to be rolling with you guys today. This is definitely a feel-good Friday. Yeah, no bum talk around here. Not today. Nope. No, no. It is a feel-good Friday, and the Broncos have a massive, massive contest in front of them this weekend. Um, you know, I it's not as dire as it was last week in terms of you got to win this uh, or you have no chance, but it is a really big one for just the narrative of the season. Um, if you go win this one, 
people are talking about the Broncos. You have no choice but to talk about the team that's won four out of their last five games, got back to 500, uh, and is playing very well, presumably, with Drew Locke under center. So this one uh, could really, you know, open some eyes nationally, I think. Ryan, you said the Broncos don't have to win this one, and you're absolutely right. There, there isn't as much pressure as there was last week, but what they have to do is they have to win two of their next three. This would be a game that they would steal, and this is probably the least important game of the next three, and it's probably important to say that before you know they potentially lose this one because the other two uh, are one is against your division rival, the Ravers, Raiders, next week, and the other is against Miami Dolphins. Both of those two teams are right ahead of you in the playoff spot in the AFC West. So this is a road game, non-conference game. So the least important, but if you get this one, then you only have to split the next two games to be in good, good shape moving forward. All of those things are true, Zach. And certainly we, we mentioned the fact it's a conference game for potential tiebreakers. Yes, the Dolphins game and the Raiders game, they're more important. But I would argue this game is more important for Drew Locke because you need to see him carry the momentum forward that he gained late in the comeback win over the Chargers last Sunday. You certainly are going to probably see some different zone-type looks coming from Raheem Morris's defense. They're going to try to confuse him a little bit. I don't think you're going to see the, the Falcons dropping seven the way the Chargers did. What can Drew Locke do to build off of a performance late that should have given him all the confidence in the world going forward? And really... Two out of three, yeah, that's kind of the magic number here. But you get a win here, and Drew Lock, and and if and if Drew Lock maintains his momentum, unless the defense completely collapses, it is probably going to be a dub. And if that happens, you're looking at me at four and zero oh in this stretch being a realistic possibility. So yeah, in the standings, those other two games coming up in the next couple of weeks, they're more crucial for tie breaks. But for Drew Lock, I think this one is more crucial, and he could take the team with him. Hey, what happened uh, last time Drew Locke uh, went to a road game in a dome? Pretty good <laughs> things. The best mm -hmm. game of his career before last the uh, last at Sunday's fourth quarter. Yep, absolutely. Best mm -hmm. game of his career. Um, he balled out in Houston. Um, we know that he doesn't uh, particularly like conditions. At least that's what it seems like so far in his career. And uh, he certainly is not going to have to deal with them this time. And he might be going up against an even worse secondary than what uh, Houston was throwing out there last year. Obviously, that one was just, you know, everything went together. What was it like? The It was like top five QBR game in history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 98.1, uh, I believe, out of 100. I mean, insanely good game for Drew Locke that day against Houston. And I think that, you know, I talked about I, I talked about this on Monday, but it's so huge to just see if him having his mojo back makes a big difference. Because that was the number one thing that was comforting to me from a Drew Locke perspective in the end of the game last week is, oh, that's the Drew Locke that, you know, so many people fell in love with last season. Uh, even going back to the touchdown to Deshaun Hamilton, you saw Drew, you know, throw the backpack on and he's looking over at the sidelines and you're like, okay, yeah, there it is. And you hadn't really seen that. You didn't really see it um, against Tennessee. He did have like a little touchdown dance against the Chiefs. But you just felt, to me, you could feel the mojo. And you're like, okay, that's Drew Locke. And 
I just want to see that carry over. Because the last thing that Drew needs, uh, and the Broncos need for that matter, is to go out there against the, the Falcons, who do not have a good defense, and start slow, like really slow, you know, three, three and outs. And everyone's right back to, oh, God, was that a fluke in the fourth quarter? Was it, you know, is we're back to bench Drew for Brett Rippon, basically. We know how quickly people's opinions flip around here. So I, I, <clears throat> I want to see Drew build on the momentum and show us that he's comfortable once again, because I didn't think he had looked comfortable at all this season, really until that fourth quarter. Yeah, we need Drew Locke to keep dancing. Keep dancing, Drew. And he said that's what he's going to continue to do. He said the dance started as the bag in college then transitioned to the whammy. Well, whatever it is in the NFL, let's brand it now, Drew, because he needs to keep having fun. We can't wait till the fourth quarter and the third quarter. And he knows it. The Broncos know that they can't do that again. And it's it's hard to imagine what this Broncos offense is going to look like if they start hot because we haven't seen it. So what happens if they do start hot, guys? Then they truly believe that that fourth quarter uh, was something that they can do every quarter, every half. It could be really, really fun. And that's that's why we were so hyped about this offense in the offseason is because the talent is there. And there's still no question about that. It's just about it coming together. And, man, if it does come together, if it did come together last Sunday and it's only going to continue to get better and, and grow together, it, it's going to be dangerous. Well, let's start with this game. If the offense starts hot, if Drew Locke starts hot, if they pick up where they left off and get a couple of early scores, well, for this defense that's going to need all the assistance it can get, potentially without A.J. Boye, without Shelby Harrison, with the players they've already lost, then that's going to be the best thing that can happen to it because a hot start, a couple of early touchdowns, you maybe build a a a 10-point lead, an 11-point lead early on, what you can do then is make the Falcons one-dimensional. And, yeah, that one-dimension would at that point be Matt Ryan going to Julio Jones, Hayden Hurston company, and that's that can still cause problems. But the big concern on the defensive side for the Broncos is, is if you're without those key players, are, are you going to be able to stop the, both the run and the pass? If the Falcons can have balance and can, can, can do both things, you're probably not going to be able to, especially with a potential all backup defensive line. So an early lead, making the Falcons a little more worn, one dimensional than they want to be guys that it, that would be massive for the chances of winning this game. Yeah. And I think you're completely right. Before we talk game plan, let's get a little bit of a, t- uh, you know, the, um, the, the feel here, Zach, I'll just ask you, who do you expect the Broncos to have? Who do you expect the Broncos to not have on either side of the ball when they go out there this week? Good news is I do expect Philip Lindsay to be out there for the Broncos, which is absolutely huge for, for the Broncos, uh, especially that the Falcons defense isn't very good, but their run defense is better than their pass defense. So you need all the ammo that you can have on, on the running side. Now, they won't have Graham Glasgow for, for a second straight week. Austin Schlotman has done really, really well when he's been in. So that's not a huge concern. On the defensive side, I don't expect A.J. Boye to be back. Now, with the concussion protocol, you really don't know uh, until tomorrow afternoon is when we'll get the final word on that. But just with how intense his concussion seemed at first, I don't expect him back. And Shelby Harris, man, that's another thing that's totally out of the Broncos' control. 
I'm leaning on no for Shelby right now, which, like May said, would put an entire backup defensive line out there. That's right. The Shelby Harris right. one is uh, concerning uh, at the very, very, very least. Yeah, because uh, impressive- yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, look what happened to the defensive line without Mike Purcell last week. So you've already had the straw break the camel's back against a team that should not have been able to average north of five yards of carry should not have been able to run for 200 yards. And the thing is they get, they get those runs that they get that 200 yards and that five and a half yards per carry guys without like a, without a 40 yard breakaway. It's just, it, it, and that was the concerning thing, how they got the yards. It was four yards, five yards, six yards easy. And yeah. there weren't, and there wasn't a lot of resistance coming in the box from the Broncos defense. And that's why, You've already had the straw that brought the camels back in terms of defending the run, losing Mike Purcell. You take Shelby Harris out of that now, and uh, it's it's a prescription for for disaster, even against a, a running game led by Todd Gurley, who's not having an impressive season except in scoring touchdowns. It could be a get-well game for him if the Broncos can't take the Falcons out of the running game. Yeah, he, uh, he's definitely scoring touchdowns whether they want to score them or not. <laughs> uh, um, I, yeah, that's that's the most concerning thing about this game to me. It's really the main reason why I'm not – I don't know if I would go as far as bullish, but confident. That's why I'm not very confident about the Broncos winning this game. It's just the Falcons don't even really need to run the ball. For their offense, obviously they want to. They never want to become one-dimensional. But it's not their focus. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. you're going up against the Titans this week. Uh, but oh God, if, they, be disaster. <laughs> if they can run the ball, it's just going to make your job really, really difficult. Because you want to be able to commit to help on Julio Jones and potentially Calvin Ridley. Do we have any update on Calvin Ridley? Uh, he did not practice, um, and man, I would be surprised if he played. But uh, and that would be a huge help for the Broncos, especially if they don't have Boye. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. No practice. No practice today, of course, for the Falcons. So he didn't practice yesterday. Nobody in Atlanta's practicing today because of virtual, because of COVID, and and going virtual. So I'd be shocked if he played on Sunday without even a snap of practice, basically. What I was going to say is if all of a sudden you start having to load up the box because you can't stop the run, you're toast. You're just toast. You there. You absolutely cannot cover Julio Jones one-on-one. And if Calvin Ridley's out there, I promise you, you definitely cannot cover both of them one-on-one on the same play. Like it just, you, you won't be able to do it. Um, you might be able to get away with a couple snaps of it throughout the game. But if you, if they start biting off five yards of carry, and you have to commit extra resources down there. You're going to give up big plays. You're going to give up. There's going to be big wide open spaces in the back end of your defense, and those guys find it so well. And Matt Ryan completes those easy passes at a crazy rate. So to me, Ryan, when I hear you say that, I'm thinking the Broncos are hosed because well, how do you, if you don't load the box, how are you going to stop the run? Is it just hoping and praying that these three backup defensive linemen step up and play just as good as your starters? I mean, that seems a little crazy to just be hoping. Um, it's that, and it's also a combination of Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson playing above, you know, above their level. They have to step up uh, and in and stop plays before they get to the second level. Uh, because I really, I really am confident if you start having to commit extra resources to the run game, 
you're toast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and they can't miss tackles. Got to make sure things don't get to the second level and make sure that everybody wraps up wraps up in tackles. And, you know, if, if that means Josie Jewell holding up Todd Gurley just long enough for help to arrive and, and bring him down, that's fine. But you cannot but you cannot get into a situation where they're adding yardage after contact because unfortunately those for those first two or three yards with the defensive line, if it's without Shelby Harris, those first two, three, two or three yards are gonna happen. How do you make sure that that the damage doesn't get any worse than that. And that is on wrapping up and tackling. And and that's on everybody. I mean, you look at back at last week, uh, Michael Michael Ojemudia struggled in tackling. He wasn't wrapping up. He was kind of leading with his shoulder and guys were bouncing off of him. So it's good fundamental tackling is going to be one of your best friends in this game. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Man, I came into this feeling optimistic. I, I was, you know, 50-50 on a teeter-totter, but leaning optimistic Ryan, now you now you're saying this, and you know I want to go make toast now because I just think the Broncos' defense is going to be toast if you don't help the run game out a lot. And I know you're not going to have AJ Boye, but Bryce Callahan, according to Pro Football Focus, is the second best cornerback in the league right now. You're going to have to lean on him. And like I said yesterday, I think Julio is going to get his. I think he's going to break one big play which you can live with one big play if, you're, if your offense is up to scoring 20 points again like they did last week. Two or more, you, you probably can't live with that. But I'm also not putting Bryce Callahan on an island with mm-hmm. Julio Jones. I'm not doing that. I'm giving him help. And then you just really hope that Calvin Ridley is not out there because then, yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Ryan. You, you're going to get beat if you're in one-on-one coverage with Julio Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley. So maybe that's what this game comes down to. Does Calvin Ridley play or not? You know what? You sound like a baseball man as you're talking about going to a game where you're facing a a team with a bunch of power hitters and you're saying, okay, the solo shot doesn't hurt us. Just make sure it's not, basically make sure it's not a three run shot. And so, for example, if you look at it in Broncos terms, go back to week two. That if, Clay, if Chase Claypool gets a solo shot, so to speak, he's getting 35 yards down the left sideline and you're bringing him down. The three-run jack is when you miss the opportunity to bring him down. He gallops up the sideline and he's gone for a 70-yard touchdown. So you've got to make sure that if, if they get theirs, that you limit the damage as much as you possibly can in the game. Make them work for it. Yeah, uh, it's it's going to be tough. Um, and when I say they're toast, I really just mean the defense is going to give up points. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't mean the game is over because now you just yeah. shifted over to the offense and you're going to probably have to get into a shootout if you're having to commit extra resources to the run, It's a, which is a hard thing to be confident in because we haven't seen the Broncos really get into a game like that except for maybe against the New York Jets, which – you know, that is what it is. <laughs> Who uh, would have thought? Yeah, well, exactly. If Matt Ryan takes off for a 46-yard touchdown run in this game, then didn't game over. Take, didn't he take off for like a 10-yard touchdown run last week? He did. Yeah. The, the he defender slipped. Yeah, the, 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 the wheels on uh, Matt Ryan at this point, he's basically uh, he's still a very good quarterback, still a very good passer, but when he moves, he's basically got four ball tires out there. So we talked about defense and I really do think it's like, um, you know, the, the swing states per se here are 
Calvin Ridley and Shelby Harris. Um, if you split them, then you know you move on to other states. If you get swept there and you don't have Shelby Harris and they have Calvin Ridley, I'm getting very worried. Yeah, uh, I, I am as well. Yeah. So that is uh, that's the look. That's the outlook for me on defense. On the offensive side of the ball, I obviously Philip Lindsay is going to play a role. Uh, you know, he's he's the heartbeat of the team. Um, period. End of story. But I think this is actually is going to come down to the offense, notably Drew Locke, being able to create some big plays uh, in that Falcon secondary. Yeah, and the Falcon secondary will allow that. They're better against the run. They're they're about an average to just above average team against the run. Uh, so, but they're a bad pass team. Very mm-hmm. bad pass team. They allow big plays. They allow short plays. Whatever you want. You can get that on them. And that's what it's going to come down to is, is Drew Locke closer to the guy he was in the fourth quarter last year? And, guys, he just needs to be good. He doesn't need to be anything special. And he should be good against this Atlanta defense. What I saw in the first half of last week was so concerning because he just looked lost. He looked uncomfortable. He looked like he was playing quarterback in the NFL for the first time where the game was just too big for him. Then it all clicked. And I want to see if that click moves over to Atlanta. They are playing on the road, but the road factor isn't going to to come in as much, which is good. And he should eat in this game. He should eat. And it's a, it's a bad Falcon pass defense over the course of the year. At the same time, it is coming off its best game of the season to date, coming against Carolina, limiting Teddy Bridgewater, picking him off once. I believe they held him to about uh, to about 179 yards or so passing in the game. Sorry that my phone went off there. So it, it can the Falcons build off what they did last week? I would uh, I, I would say they'll be hard pressed to just because that Panthers team, of course, last Thursday night did not have its full array of weapons without Christian McCaffrey, so was kind of going with its hand behind its back. Denver brings more weapons into this battle than Carolina did. I think they're going to be able to cause some problems. And you get RK, you said shootout earlier. That's what this game feels like right now. This feels like a shootout. Honestly, you guys are crazy. Else, everything else aside, I would I – would, Love a shootout. Oh, uh, me too. Oh, have, we, this, when was the last one. Time we saw a good shootout other than the Broncos and you know Jets seeing who could fall over each other more. <laughs> well, you, you know how sometimes on Sunday, if, if you've got DirecTV Sunday ticket and you're flipping around and there's like a, a random Jaguars Titans game a couple of years ago that you would have had no interest in, but it turns out it's pretty exciting. They're you know, they're putting up points like, oh, I, I'm gonna I'm sucked in by this game. That's what I think this game is going to be for a lot of people around the country that are just that, you know, they're, they're surfing around They They have red zone on, but they, you know, maybe they want to focus on one game kind of like a, kind of like we saw Browns, uh, Browns Bengals be you know, earlier, a couple of weeks ago that, Oh man, this is actually a lot of fun. They're putting up some points. There's some be there's some explosive plays There's some fireworks. I think this is the kind of game that's going to draw some, some random, NFL channel surfers in and it's going to be pretty entertaining. You guys are so crazy. You guys are getting too <laughs> caught up in the fourth quarter of last week. I didn't say it was going to happen. I just said if the Broncos can't stop the run, it has to happen if they're going to win. Well, that that that's true. I just don't want to get too swept up in Vic Fangio does a fantastic job. Whatever hand he's dealt, he does a really good job of sometimes bending 
but not breaking. And I think we see that again. Even if it's not Shelby Harris, I don't think the Falcons score 30 points. Man, as much as I want to say the Broncos score 30 points for a second straight week, guys, they've scored 30 points twice this year. They've only, that's the first time they've done that since Peyton Manning. So I'm not ready to say that they're ready to come back and score 30 points again. Let's just start at 20 because that would be enough for the Broncos to win his score somewhere in the 20. So I think we're looking at that sort of game, but Hey, I, I so hope that we're looking at, you know, 41 to 38. Yes. Oh my God. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, if you guys had to pick a pop player on offense this week, who would you pick? Who do you think is going to be the guy that if the Broncos are scoring points, this guy has a dominant performance. Uh, okay, maybe not a dominant performance, but I think K.J. Hamler gets one. And I think he has a pop play. Now, we saw him have the pop play last week. Other than that, we haven't seen him do anything really this season. Isn't he supposed to be really fast? Because I haven't seen that on the field at all. The, the only memorable play of him being fast is doing a little jet sweep. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's fast. Let's let's go vertical. Let's go north and south uh, w- with him, Pat Shermer. Let's see that. And I do think that he connects on something, whether it's an end around jet sweep, uh, a nine route. I think we see KJ Hamler get one this week. I, I'm going with Jerry Judy, and I think he's just going to get more opportunities to provide the pop. And also, I think on some level, Jerry Judy really wants to show something in this game. Uh, you're probably not going to see Calvin Ridley, but of course they have Julio Jones out there. Uh, this is sort of his moment to establish that he's going to be the next great NFL receiver that comes out of the university of Alabama and uh, doing so with Julio standing on the opposite sideline uh, on to some degree, probably looking on proudly if Jerry Judy makes some big plays. I I think that environment's going to fire him up a little bit. I think Jerry Judy pops on Sunday. Jerry Judy probably has more experience playing in this stadium than any other Bronco, huh? Isn't that where they played the uh, SEC championship the last couple of years? Indeed. It's where they always play it. Yep. And so he's, he's, he's shown on that big stage before and uh, maybe he can do it again. Um, I love both of your picks. Uh, I am going to follow the trends here. I think the guy that that pops is uh, Albert Okawebunam. Drew Locke just loves him. Like, you know, it's, it, it matters so much. It honestly hasn't mattered that much since Peyton Manning. Uh, when you could just tell the quarterback loved a certain guy. Like, you just – when Peyton loved the dude, you just knew it. And you knew that he was going to find a way to get him involved. Uh, and somehow, some way, people are trying to turn this into a negative thing Some in some corners of Twitter that Drew Locke loves Albert Okuebunam. I don't know why um, because it's worked out really well the last two weeks. The first week, in Albert Okuebunam's first ever game – they, they were close, and it didn't connect. And, and somehow, like, a negative narrative was built that day, even though the Broncos won. Also mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two weeks, when Drew Locke targets Albert Okuebunam, only good things happen. So people should be happy about that. Somehow they aren't. Uh, so that's the guy that I'm picking. I believe they continue to build on what they have built the last three weeks. Uh, and I think you're going to see potentially even a multi-touchdown game for old Ocho Cinco. I thought you were going to say follow the trends and easily take Philip Lindsay uh, on this. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and of, uh, of course, he's averaging over 10 yards per carry, not just in the past game, but in the past two games. I mean, he's awesome, and he's going to be he's going to play a role again. But uh, I think when it comes to the red zone, going to have to look to uh, to big 85. Yeah, and the other thing also, one reason why I'm just skeptical about the running game in general is that's the one thing the Falcons' defense has done reasonably well this year is, is contain the run. Grady Jarrett in particular has been a force on the interior, and uh, uh, he's going to cause some problems for the Broncos' interior, interior uh, run blocking. So that's why I, I, I tend to be skeptical about what they can do in ter- on the ground in this game. I always say it. I'd like to see Philip Lindsay get involved in the passing game. I'd like to see them uncork him a little bit in this game. Maybe, and maybe there'll be some, some avenues there for that. To be fair, though, Mace, you, you kind of said that uh, the uh, the Falcons' pass defense was good last week, and and you kind of mm-hmm. giving them that momentum, only holding uh, the Panthers to 157 passing yards. Their run defense was bad last week. They allowed 147 rushing yards. So. Uh, you know, maybe maybe mm-hmm. they they've lost it in the past week, and Philip Lindsay can pick up on that. The last order of business we have here, gentlemen, in the first segment and the live segment of the show. Thanks to everyone who did join us on the live side of things, and if you are watching on YouTube, we'd love if you hit this video with a little thumbs up. Maybe consider subscribing to the DNVR page. Uh, we appreciate <clears throat> all of those. But last order of business here before we move on to the podca- podcast side of things. Is score predictions. Mace, I will start with you. Well, I don't think it's going to be quite a shootout. I think it's a possibility. But it'll it'll feel like a shootout compared to what we've seen from the Broncos in the last few years. I'm picturing it this way, guys. It's another comeback. It's another late touchdown pass. Broncos 28, Falcons 27. Wow, there we go. Mace bringing some optimism here. And of course, this game is a four-point spread. The Falcons are four-point favorites going into the weekend right now, I believe. Uh, So, Mace, you'd be picking against the spread there. You'd be taking the Broncos uh, easily with the points. And I definitely, definitely, definitely Mm -hmm. like the Broncos to win this game uh, against the spread. I I think, you know... They, lose, they could lose by three. I could see that happening. And, man, I am just teetering on this edge that the game is going to be 24-23. And I don't know who wins. I don't oh, know who wins. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. If you prefer spread, though, you've already decided. Yes, of but course. we needed it. We yeah, need that's what I'm saying. Against, against the spread, yeah. it's easy. But this is going to be a shootout for the Broncos in, in Broncos terms. 24-23. The Broncos are going to win, guys. They're going to oh. get the momentum uh, for last week and carry it over, and Drew's going to come in in the clutch this week. Wow, you know, people were calling you um, uh, a downer last week, Zach, for giving your opinion. Uh, so maybe they will uh, they'll flip on you a little bit this week. Um, I am actually – I didn't think I was going to be – so let me just say, I think this game is a toss-up. Uh, to be completely fair. Um, I do think because of that, I like the four points. Broncos already 5-2 and two against the spread this year. Move on to 6-2 and two against the spread after this game. But I do think it's kind of going to be a couple plays here and there. And to be completely honest, I feel like I need to know the information on who's playing before I can give an official, official prediction. But without that information, 
uh, which I believe is really going to decide what happens in this game. I just have a feeling that Drew Locke got his mojo back last week. And it really, just even the way he talked in his press conference yesterday, I'm like, ah, yeah, there he is. That's the Drew we know. You know, taking a little dig at Colin Cowherd. That's fun, you know. And and when he, you know, does those things, it's not like malicious. Um, and, and a lot of people want to compare him to Baker Mayfield. And, and in the in the sense that uh, Colin Cowherd doesn't like him, then they he fits that mold. But you know, when he's doing stuff, he's having fun. <clears throat> and when he's having fun, he plays a lot better. Uh, and. I do think there might be something to the comfort of playing in a dome stadium. So I think the Broncos do once again score 30 points. And I think Drew Locke has a great game. And I think the Broncos win this one 31-24. Defense plays a little bit of bend, don't break. They give up a lot of yards, uh, but not a lot of points. Not even close then. I mean, you said this is a toss-up, but Broncos win by seven. That I mean, that's 11 One points score against game. the spread. There you go. One score game. Look at us, all three picking the Broncos to cover the <laughs> spread and to win. Yep. Yeah, I got a good feeling about this one, uh, and it's going to be really – if Drew goes out there and has a great game, like we're talking about Broncos country now, you know, minus they're going to be crowning him. Yeah. After, we're saying – Turning point. That's what that's everyone's saying that, you know, the worm has turned on Drew Locke and it they, will have turned in the Chargers game. They're going to be every- saying extension. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. You know, over the course of five quarters, Drew could go from, uh, you know, the official team reporter saying that he should be benched to the huh. fan base uh, ready to crown him. Oh boy. <laughs> what what an opportunity that that Drew has. Continue to ride that momentum of last week and then people may stop saying like, "Oh, it was a fluke. It was one quarter." You go out and put five quarters of that together. Woof, man, it's going to be hot going into Las Vegas next week. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. Uh hopefully it's an exciting game. Uh, because I think uh, everyone deserves to see some fireworks out there on the field. Um Broncos wearing the blues. That'll be cool as well. Uh, a weird uh, color matchup for the road team. But regardless, appreciate everyone who tuned into the live portion. We will jump over to the podcast side of things. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast, we'd love if you did so. Uh, you can do it anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just type in DNVR Broncos podcast, or you can just type in Broncos, and it will be the first thing that pops up uh, wherever you're looking. So appreciate that. Uh, we will talk to you on the live side of things after the game, but we're going to move on to the podcast side of things. All right, thanks for sticking with us. If you're on the podcast side of things, we're going to get into your questions in just a second here. But, of course, it's Friday, and that means it's a Breck Brew Friday, and that means it's time to head down to your local liquor store and get you some damn good beers. Uh, We're moving into the fall, which, you know, for some people, all right, maybe even the winter, depending on Colorado. Colorado, you know, jumped back and forth from season to season but you might change up your uh, your beer preferences maybe you want a little more avalanche amber ale in your life now maybe you want a little more vanilla porter or the nitro irish stout which might as well be like the beer version of a milkshake there's so many different great breckenridge beers and uh hopefully soon i'll be telling you about a new one on the list uh, of course a lot of people into the Broncos country beer, which is also delicious. 
all of Breckenridge beers are great. I've yet to have one that I didn't like. Of course, you have your preferences, your favorites, but I've yet to taste one that I wasn't like, ah, this is fantastic. So Breckenridge Brewery, Breck Brew Friday, damn good beers. You know the drill. Go get it. You guys know the drill. DraftKings Sportsbook is the best place to get in on all the action. And we're in the middle of the NFL season. College ball is in full swing now. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is the best place to go to get in on the action. And for both pro and collegiate ball, DraftKings has it all. And to celebrate all of the action going on, DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100. That's right. You bet and they cover with risk-free Sunday betting. This weekend, we got the Broncos taking on the Falcons. All of us like the Broncos to cover the four-point spread. There's also some other good games out there, and if you listened to me last night, well, my, my DraftKings Sportsbook Lock of the Week came in yesterday with, of course, I had to pick, I had to pick Green Bay, guys, and it came through in flying colors. Even though Aaron Rodgers is not very good, he was still able to beat a JV 49ers team. And there's some other good ones this weekend. I really like some big, big spreads coming in. Kansas City, 10-point favorite. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, 14-point favorites. I like those to hit as well. So make sure to check out all the action the DraftKings Sportsbook has. And on top of the great sign-up offers, DraftKings offers great odds boosts every Sunday to help you bring home the cash. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So head to the App Store right now. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code RAINBOW when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. And that's right. You bet they cover up to $100 when you use the promo code RAINBOW during sign-up. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprising first deposit bonus or first first bet match. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. A lot of good spreads out there, and I, I'm with you. It's kind of a favorites week uh, in a lot of different respects. Uh, last night, a perfect example of what happens when a team with a great quarterback, an all-time great quarterback, goes Watch up against yourself. a team with a with a really weak one, and that's a uh, that's available out there in a in a few different places. And it's amazing you didn't need a great secondary, you didn't need great wide receiving core uh, to take advantage of a secondary that just had a really bad night. I mean, imagine what Aaron Rodgers could do with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller. Oh, my gosh. Doesn't he have Devontae Adams, who's supposed to be really good anyway? So he's got mm. weapons. Stop supposed it. Supposed to be really good. He dominated last night. He, he dominated. Uh, yeah. The, the thing is, usually if you can shut down Devontae Adams, you don't worry about the rest of it. The 49ers didn't even have enough to shut down Devontae, even though they were, even though they were bracketing him at times. It was – I could have gone. That out was there. rough for the Niners. I could have gone out there and completed a couple passes against that 49ers defense. Mm. I'm sure you could have. Uh, from Broncos <laughs> Squared. Happy Friday, lads. Since the NFL came down hard on the Raiders for breaking COVID protocols, do you think the NFL will ever get to the point where they punish players and teams like that uh, for someone abusing their families or other people, like Tyree Kill, for example? Although he was actually charged or found guilty for for what he did thanks man um no i think this is totally totally different um and we haven't seen a team come at or the nfl come after a team for something a player did off the field in terms of draft picks ever have we no i mean we literally had the patriots have a murderer on their team and they weren't 
punished. Yeah, so, so that, yeah. that that's not going to happen. This was something that happened, you know, on the field in their facilities, going directly against what the NFL said what was supposed to be happening. Yeah. Now the question is, will they ever get to to punishing players more for that? The thing with Tyreek Hill, what he was convicted for did happen in college, and so uh, that you know he he had a a plea a plea bargain in the end. But that's you know, that's something that the NFL is going to kind of take its hands off on him because there was no conviction or even a formal charge associated with the stuff that was reported on last year. Uh, the NFL isn't going to have any adjudication on that. Yeah, and yep. what happened in when he was in the NFL, uh, he was never actually convicted right. with any of those things either. Not even charged in the NFL. Right. Right. That, so yeah, it, did, it didn't even meet that threshold. So yeah, it's uh, nothing's going to happen. Mean that he's a great person. No, um, no but way. It makes it very difficult for the NFL to lay down punishment. It's like the old cliche: just because you're not guilty doesn't mean you're innocent. Yes, exactly. That's true in a lot of things. Count Locula says, "Stop the count. Start the count. How about love the count?" <laughs> I love that. Let's just love the count. All the love out to the count. And speaking of the count, big congratulations to our friend, the count, for passing uh, a step in his thesis process yesterday. Mm-hmm. So congratulations, count. We're so pumped that you roll with us and so happy for you. Yep. We love that. Every count counts. Uh, from Bangkok Bronco. Hey, gents, the Drew Locke gift that Mace mentioned making yesterday needs to be done ASAP so that the Broncos, when the Broncos get their fourth win, he can tweet it to Nick Wright, even if it doesn't have any words. Only a Drew Locke dancing gift, chef's kiss. Um, I want words. I want, I want strong words. Yeah, I think it, it's got to be something where, you know, it's very direct on what you're talking about, that there's no question for him. Yep, exactly. Uh, he goes on, RK, I want to get your scenario-specific song for the final time. Gave seven in the World Series, two outs. Your teammate swipes one to deep left center for a double, and you're in the on-deck circle. What's your walk-up song as you step up to the plate knowing a base hit wins the World Series for your Rockies? Have a great weekend, guys. Oh, man. So, Ryan, of- Mason and I gave ours yesterday. Did, do you need some time to think and we can tell ours again? Yeah, go for it. Mace, what was yours? Mine was uh, Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. Mm, yes. And mine was uh, Baba O'Reilly by The Who. Mm, nice, nice. Something to get you jacked when you're walking to the plate. Oh, man. Um. You can't be doing Nathaniel Rateliff. I'm sorry. No, it's not going to be Nathaniel Rateliff. I think the song that for some reason just really gets me fired up no matter what situation is used in is uh, it's called Work by Gangstar. Okay. Uh, and it just absolutely slaps. Uh, and it just, you know, it's just one of those, one of those songs. Um, there's, a, there's a few other ones. But that's the one that came to my mind first, so I'm going to go with it. That's the uh, work, 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 work. That's that song, That right? is not that. No, it is. I believe that's Rihanna. Yes, this okay, okay. Gang. Not not Gang Slap? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gang Star. Go Gang Star, Gang Star. Yep. Yeah. Okay, uh, next one here from Denveria. And the DNVR community in Germany is plus one. 
Yesterday, my fiance and I welcomed Melissa into the world. First time dad, best feeling you can imagine. Just sharing some positive vibes here. Hey, congratulations to you, your wife, and Melissa. That is so freaking cool. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Congratulations to your family. uh, And uh, enjoy it. Absolutely. And and if you ever have trouble getting little Melissa to sleep, maybe regal her with the soothing sounds of the DNVR Broncos podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, just play any uh, Broncos game from the Joe Flacco era. Oh. <laughs> That'll do it as well. Love Thunder Down Under checking in. So Mace questioned my sanity yesterday or inferred I live in a chemically induced haze. Well, beep me. He was right. Well, no, not quite. No, he wasn't. The truth is that I have a young family and my work in my work is both very demanding and very serious. <laughs> I deal with difficult decisions and confronting outcomes most days, and that's pretty normal. I love what I do and I enjoy being good at it and giving myself to it. But there would be very few moments where I can empathetically bang the boardroom table with the other senior bankers and yell, 75! Though you may recall, I have done that. (laughs) DNVR and the Broncos are an escape for me, and I love that too. Colorado in general is an escape for me, in fact. To hear you guys read out bizarre, very much on the spectrum comments about six-toed cats driving RAV4s, picking up miners covered in yeasty spread is great and very enjoyable. So I enjoy throwing them in the mix. A big thank you to the regular commenters who give this sense uh, of a community it does. And to the six to 7,000 people who listen and don't subscribe, you're welcome. Question, what sort of dances will Drew Locke do after throwing touchdowns when he is 48 and playing on a bionic leg, i.e., how will he dance when he is an old quarterback? You know, sometimes you either just have the rhythm in you and you don't or you don't. And if you have the rhythm in you, it just never goes away. You know, you might become a little more stiff, but he'll be fine. I think he'll just get even even looser. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe we see some some robots when he's older. Don't have to be as smooth there. Oh, that could work. That could work. He he's had a couple of dances that uh, he's done that were kind of already bordering on the robot. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. Oh, uh, a- unfortunately for me, I do not have the rhythm. Um, and we'll never have good touchdown dances or d- any other dances for that matter. Well, just as long as somebody loves you enough to tell you that. That's, that, that's the key thing. I mean, sometimes, you know, we all need somebody in our lives who says, hey, uh, you don't look that good doing that. You may want to avoid dancing like that in the future. Why do you need someone in your life to tell you that? I think you just encourage that person. Keep them going. I, that's how uh, I feel. I always encourage Zach when he dances. <laughs> Whoa, are you insinuating something there? <laughs> not, no, not insinuating anything. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen, I've seen some, not from you guys, but I've seen some pretty embarrassing dances lately where I just think, does anybody love this person enough to tell, oh to tell this person? <laughs> wow. <to> <laughs> wow, and apparently you don't since you don't tell him to stop. <laughs> That's, oh, I don't love this up. person. It's not my job to, tell, to say stop. <laughs> Someone has to. Wow. Uh, 
one way that you'll definitely start dancing is once you get set up with a free consultation from our friends at Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and, Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans, but they've supported DNVR for a long time. As DNVR members, they're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial services experience. And from what I've heard, pretty damn good dancers. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com or call them at 303-257-6578 to find out what you should be doing to get set up. They'll give you a free consultation because your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage is likely to be your largest debt. They're gonna consider the whole picture and they're gonna get you set up exactly the way you should be set up uh, with your loan, with your debt situation, everything. They're gonna take it, your entire financial picture into the, into the picture here and get just all set up. So that's Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Chevalier Mortgage, dnvrmortgage.com. Guys, today is the day. And of course, I'm talking about the election open at WGT. We are opening up the election open at Congressional this week on WGT, which is, of course, the world's most popular golf app. We are hosting the election open starting today, rolling through this weekend. All country clubs can participate, and better yet, anyone can win. You don't just have to be the best at WGT to win. So all you have to do is go in to, the, to WGT. So go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT. Go into our country club section. Join DNVR3. That's DNVR and the number three next to it if you're not in our clubhouses clubhouses already and then head to congressional golf course and enter into the closest to the whole challenge submit your screenshot on our pinned twitter thread at dnvr sports or email them to info at dnvr.com and once you have entered to win you will choose we will choose a random winner each week to pick out a dnvr shirt of their choice and a mask and we'll ship it to you we will host a new course every single week leading up to christmas winners are picked every monday You've got nothing to lose. So download WGT Golf by going to dnvrgolf.com. Join DNVR3 Country Club and head to Congressional Course and hit some balls to get you close to the pin. Enter your screenshot, and there you go. You've got your chance. So good luck and enjoy playing WGT Golf this weekend. All right, let's move on here. Next one from Butch Cassidy. Can Drew Locke win a shootout? Yes, he can. I take the over on this game, but the score will not be the most shocking things on, on this week's edition of 58-yard field goals. No, the most shocking thing will be the three forced fumbles by the Denver D, creating two of them with, with two of them belonging to Kareem Jackson, all recovered by Denver, all in the second half. A gypsy woman told me so. What about you? <laughs> wow. I mean, the way Kareem Jackson's playing, I'm not saying that he's not capable of that. However, the Falcons have not turned the ball over three times at all this year. The, the most they've only turned the ball over multiple times in one game, and that was in week one. So uh, the Falcons offense, pretty good job of controlling that. But guys, if the Broncos get three turnovers, they are winning this game easily. For my 58-yard field goal, I'm going with a 58-yard touchdown, 58 or longer to be scored by the Broncos in this game. And mm. I think it'll be K.J. Hamler. But for the fit, that, that'd be like a 68-yard field goal. So for 58, I'm just going to keep it. Anyone on the Broncos mm. gets a 58-yard touchdown. I'm actually going to go with the third phase special teams. My 58-yard field goal is that either through a long return 
or forcing a takeaway on a Falcons return, Tom McMahon's special teams unit makes the biggest special teams play of the game. Wow. That is uh, – that's all 58 yards. That's a, that's a long 58. <laughs> so you're saying they make the biggest special teams play of the game, so technically that could be like a run back to the 27-yard line or something. It could be a long run back, a long return, a long explosive return, or you know, or a punt return where they force a fumble and, and give and give Drew Lock and company great field position. There's going to be a difference making play like that in either the, the return game or the coverage game. Man, Tom needs that. I, I'd like to see that. I, I'm I'm rooting for that. If we're being perfectly honest, because I like Tom McMahon a lot, and I know he's, you know, kind of a. Uh, he, he's a lamented figure in Broncos country, but I think uh, I think a lot of what's been going on, even though you know you, you can go the fake punt last year and put that on him, a lot of it's been beyond his control. It's been execution more than coaching. My 58-yard field goal is that the Broncos score a touchdown on a trick play. Broncos score a touchdown on a trick play. It could be a Philly special. It could be a reverse pass. I guess the Philly special is technically a reverse pass. Um, it could be uh, anything, but I'm saying a a touchdown on a trick play for the Broncos this week. How about a touchdown on a trick play that's 58 yards long that's capped off by a fantastic special teams play? Yes, just the best extra point you've ever seen. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All that's missing from that is a six-toed cat running onto the field right after the play. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Count Locula again. Bum talk Friday. Bum joined the Marines after the Pearl Harbor attack and became an elite Marine Raider. He also helped begat Wade, who was an elite Raider attacker. Love the count. Talking about Bum Phillips. Maybe we should just do a Bum Phillips fact for every – Every Friday. <laughs> the so greatest bomb in the NFL. Is that on you or is that on the count to uh, get those magical facts every week? If the count doesn't, I'll happily pick up the slack, but today belongs to the count. Maybe that's uh, maybe the count's doing his thesis on bum, so, uh, so he'll have plenty of those. Maybe. From Broncos only, to each host present, what is your personal estimate, updated after the Chargers games, of the percentage chance Drew Locke becomes a franchise quarterback for the Broncos? Also, Zach, you're lucky that Drew Locke didn't shout, mute it, when it took you five seconds to respond when called upon in his recent Zoom conference. Wow, called out, Zach. Thanks for the awesome coverage, Broncos only. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to get the facts straight here. We don't get to unmute ourselves in these press conferences. Mm. That mm. is the Broncos PR. Uh, and so that was that was on them, not on me. So but maybe <laughs> I should have yelled muted at them. Yes, you should have. You, yeah. you should have just berated them publicly. <laughs> well, the, the, to go back to the question here, though, how would you define a franchise quarterback? Like, for example, Brian Greasy had some success here but was not a franchise quarterback, correct? Correct, yeah, no. Okay. So, I mean, there's – I guess what I'm close. saying is there's that possibility that Drew Locke does some good things, a la Brian Greasy, a la Jake Plummer, but doesn't kind of make the leap to franchise quarterback for, say, a 10-year period. No. And that's why I'm still going to say that the – percentage chance on franchise QB it's still below 50 percent I'm going to say about 40 percent well really quick let's let's 
draw the line of where a franchise quarterback is because the two names you mentioned, Mace, I don't think are franchise quarterbacks. I don't think I, Jake yeah. Plummer's a franchise quarterback or was one for the Broncos. See, it's see I think Jake second Plummer quarterback was. or second contract. That's the, I think that's the line, Zach. Second yeah. contract. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. Longevity does play a big role in a franchise quarterback. To me, a franchise quarterback is a, when you have a quarterback and you have a winning record most years. Uh, uh, no, I think you got to stick with them. You got to show them that they're the reason for that, and and then you got to give them that second contract to hang around. So, I don't think Jake like, Plummer was. The, the tough thing about Jake Plummer is just he didn't play in Denver long enough. Yeah, and he um, didn't start his career. Because so Mike Shanahan didn't think he was a franchise quarterback and after three right. years decided I got to get somebody else and he drafted Jake Cutler. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's kind of subjective, but to me, it's like if, you're in, if, you continue, if you go a long time with a quarterback and you're constantly having a winning record, like that's, a, that's your franchise quarterback. Well, yeah, because you're, you're going a long time. I'm trying to think of borderline guys, it, it, not, not with the Broncos, just with anyone. Like Who Jay some... Cutler with the Bears, was he a franchise quarterback? Yeah, that's a good question. No, he wasn't. I think he was. You think so? I think he was early. Okay. I think that for the first four years he was there, they had a, uh, a 10-6 and six season. They had a, a trip to the NFC Championship game. And that, hey, that might have turned out differently for him and Aaron Rodgers if he had not had to leave the game early with a knee injury uh, back when they end up losing to Green Bay in that championship game. So, Caleb Haney. Oh, um, yeah. The one who came in for him. Shout out Colorado State. It's a big day for CSU. They got the boot back, man. If only Congrats. You- Congrats to them. Yeah, no one, no one had faith in them except for, uh, you know, I, I believed in the Rams. Congratulations. if only you said caleb heine though ryan then we'd be truly having a bum talk friday yeah he was heine most of the time in the nfl (laughs) um uh anyways franchise quarterback does that mean you can't determine a franchise quarterback until they've been on a team for at least five years no, because I think it's it's very obvious that mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes will be on the team. And, you know, even before he got his uh, uh, his contract, it, it was very obvious that a guy would be there. Um, like, I'm trying to think. Josh Allen, franchise quarterback. Baker Mayfield, franchise quarterback? To me, yes. To many, he, no. He's he's getting there. I mean, he's he's going in the right direction again. I think now Baker Mayfield – is sort of at the same point, obviously not the same results, but the same point that Jameis Winston was at this point in his career. And clearly I think Cleveland's going to pick up the fifth-year option on Baker Mayfield, just like it was pretty clear for Tampa Bay to pick up that fifth-year option on Jameis Winston. But then he is playing for something beyond that. So uh, I think Baker is trending in that direction, but the jury is still out. Ooh, Baker has – Baker's – completing like 62% of his yeah. passes with a two to one touchdown to interception ratio this year. I don't know what more you want with yeah, a and, winning team. Yeah. And they're what? Six and three or five, five and yeah, three, they're, they're five yeah. and th- five and three. I mean, now let's see what happens after that loss to the Raiders. Although that may be one of those games where you look back on and say with a, with a 36 mile an hour wind, it was and he coin, completed it was, two touchdown passes that were dropped. Right. It was a it was a coin flip game that they lost, and he didn't and he did enough to win that game. Okay. Here's two here's two names. I tried to think of borderline guys. Ryan Tannehill. 
The, the Titans uh, have decided he's like a, he is one. Yeah. yeah, the Titans have decided he's a franchise quarterback based yeah. on that contract. And now Derek Carr. Oh, God. He is the very bottom of the list. <laughs> but he uh, is. He is, right? He is. Yeah, yeah, he is based on longevity. The stats would back it up. Um, the winning, though, hasn't been there. So maybe that's the, the last piece that he needs. And people hate the term QB wins, but – I love that term. In the, in the oh. end, <laughs> the teams with the, with, the, with the great quarterbacks win, and the teams that don't have them don't. Yeah. yeah. And I would say, like, with, with Derek Carr, he has already proven that he can put a season together that is terrific, both in terms of individual accomplishment and team accomplishment with that Raiders team that was 12-3 and three, uh, when he got hurt and was lost for the season back in 2016. So uh, what, what has kind of happened with him is they tore the team down around him, and now as they're finally emerging on the other side of it, He's the guy that was left standing. There's something to be said for, for his persistence. I, I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Yeah, I agree. It's pretty incredible that John Gruden, despite everyone thinking he didn't like him, has stuck with him for three years. Is that not a what? test of his, of, his, of his emotional and mental fortitude? Yeah, definitely. That John Gruden has not ground him down to a nub, that he's still, that he's still out there as confident as ever? I will say that uh, Broncos country, you can thank my Cardinals that you don't have to see Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Kyler Murray a combined six times a year. You can thank my Cardinals for that. <laughs> yes, that is true. That would be a nightmare. SLC Bronco chiming in. I'm just curious, and maybe you guys can't answer this, but based off Drew Locke's numbers, now what do you think he ends up with by season's end? 927 passing yards, four touchdowns, and five interceptions is where he's at currently. Mm. So, and we're almost, almost halfway through the season. Yeah, man. Four plus games, though. So that's It'll right. be interesting. He just kind of found his groove. Um, so I, I, at least that's what I think. If he goes out there and plays really well this week, I think it completely changes the trajectory of these stats uh, because he was not playing well to start things, especially statistically. Um, we'll see if he gets it back. But right now, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think he, I think he just barely gets to 3,000 yards passing if he stays healthy. So that's uh, – we've, uh, we've got nine games left. And so that's about – that's going to be about 220, 230 yards passing a game the rest of the way. So – how many games has he played in this season now? Uh, four and just on and about half a quarter. So basically kind of so, 4.1 or 4.15. And they have 10 games remaining? Nine. Nine. Nine games remaining. So you basically triple what he has now plus a little something. And then if he finds his mojo and gets it, uh, you know, he can correct maybe that touchdown to interception ratio and increase the yards per game a little bit. So I'm going to say, um, like, 3,100 passing yards, um, 14 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. 
Yeah, I'm going to go as similar to that. I'm going to say he just he gets 2,000 yards in the next nine games, which would be very close to 3,000 for the season. I'm going to say he gets 12 more touchdowns, which is uh, 16 touchdowns on the season. And I'm going to say he adds nine more interceptions, so he ends with 14. So 16 touchdowns to 14 interceptions is what he ends with. Yeah, yeah nine more interceptions. Are, yeah, nine more interceptions. Are not look good. Is no. exactly what I was going to say, Zach. And uh, but I'm I'm going to go 11 touchdowns, and so, man, that's 15 touchdowns, 14 picks, just over 3,000 yards. And I thought the other the other thing, guys, is look, you want to call your shot on completion percentage because he's sitting at 58 right now, so he's below the threshold. He has to raise that to 60. I'm going to say I, he I has the 60. Yeah, because if he has those numbers and he's not at 60, um. I have a lot of trouble believing that uh, that that the Broncos are going in next year without at least having a really good hedge on the roster. You know, but, but you, I don't know. You'll just have, it's all going to depend on the eye test and a very little about the stats, in my opinion. Uh, don't want to see nine more interceptions. I'll tell you that. Um, one interception a game from here on out is just too much. Uh, he needs to have some some you know three to zero type games um and, and honestly like this that's why this week is so important dome stadium you know last time he played in a dome stadium he went what four touchdowns one interception that'll change the trajectory of how many touchdowns he's going to throw this season a lot you know all of a sudden he would be at eight touchdowns six interceptions now i'm not predicting that but these stat lines, especially when it comes to touchdowns can change really quickly if you have a a three to zero game yeah, and the same if you go the opposite and you have a you know zero to two game or zero to three game, so Absolutely. more of what happened last week three to one will really help that. Absolutely, Onion Town Links Mesa. I expected more from a fellow nerd of things. <laughs> Actually, plate armor allowed for great mobility and nimbleness. And since one wouldn't need to wear full plate and wouldn't need to chain wouldn't need chain mail in a football game. Quarterbacks could easily throw. Receivers could easily catch, and running backs could easily cut. The big problem would be vision. Vision is next to minimal in medieval armor because the only thing that matters is your current opponent who is right in front of you. This would make for a run-heavy game. But misdirections would be incredibly hard to react to on the defensive end. If you need an example of a person moving in even heavier armor than this and running at full speed, what it would look like, the first 15 or so seconds of this video are exactly what you should base it on. The weight and mobility of medieval armor is much, uh, is much better than most assume. I agree, though. A.J. Johnson would love this stuff. So, Ryan, now, Bron- as you can tell, this is all Mason and I talked about yesterday. We said, how good would the Broncos be if they wore uh, medieval armor for an entire season? Uh, that is a very weird question. <laughs> uh, because they want to prioritize speed, I think it's a bad thing. We basically said the passing game was toast. Yeah, I don't know. Like Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton and Albert Okwebunam and Noah Fant, I think would have a big advantage uh, over people like Tyreek Hill is going to like lose his advantage, in my opinion. Yeah, but you've got to have you got to have perfect catching technique because if that because if you if you can't catch with your hands perfectly, and then of course as was mentioned, your vision is affected because of the armor because of the helmet you're wearing to atop of all the armor. I see a lot of passes that are just bouncing off off armor and hitting the ground harmlessly. 
Fair enough. Now to my Broncos question. Do you think it's at all important that the Falcons are two and one against teams whose record are eight and fourteen and the Broncos are three and one against thirteen and nineteen competition? I mean, I definitely don't get the same vibes from the Chiefs, Patriots, Chargers, and Jets as I get from the Panthers, Lions, and Vikings. Competition matters. They have the fourth worst scoring defense in the league right now. In my mind, this is an easy dub for Denver on paper. Sorry for the long comment, but at least the game is short now, right? Yeah, I, the name I don't is get, short. Yeah, I don't get the I don't get the same vibe as you do. First of all, on that scoring defense, since Raheem Morris got promoted to the job, of uh, they've given up twenty three, twenty three, and seventeen. So they've stopped the bleeding in terms of scoring defense over the last three games. And uh, you know, the Chiefs kind of has has a bit of an outsized impact on those records. Frankly, I do get similar vibes from the Patriots, Chargers, and Jets as I do from the Panthers, Lions, and Vikings. Yeah, I think it's – both of these teams are very similar in who they've beat, who they've lost to, uh, how they both started very, very slow – now, the only difference is the, the, the Falcons fired their head coach and general manager in order to turn things around. The Broncos haven't had to do anything drastic to be 3-1 and one in their last four games. Which tells you that uh, they were underachieving early and that what they've done the last three games, it's, more, it's closer to what they should have been all along. And even in the early part of the season, you can kind of – you can go back – you really go into detail on some of the games and uh, – like in particular the Cowboy game and the Bear game, they're a couple of mental screw ups away from winning those two. And we know about and we and we know all about the Todd Gurley extra touchdown that he didn't want to get that Matt Ryan told him not to get and he did against the Lions. It's a it's a team that kind of like the Broncos, they're looking at a at, at two or three games and saying, That was in our grasp and we let it slip away. Yeah, uh, a caution to people out there is that this Falcons team is better than their two and six record. Yeah, Broncos squared. I'm back after watching the turning point video from the Chargers game. Matt complimented Cushenberry about his play on Phil's touchdown run. Does Cushenberry have much to do uh, with calling out defenses to help Drew read them correctly? If so, how is Cushenberry doing that part of his game? Thanks, guys. <laughs> I have to laugh at spelling <laughs> Cushenberry at like couch cushion plus Barry. Uh, I don't know why that really got me. Well, but, you're hoping that his pass protection provides a cushion for Drew Locke to do what he needs to do, right? Yeah, to find the berries, the fruits of his labor. <laughs> <laughs> he's um, yeah, he's, he's getting a, he's getting a bit better at that now. I mean, he doesn't have as many responsibilities in that regard as say Matt Paradis did when he was here, but he's getting better. It's you know, looking at Cushionberry the last few games, it's you know, in terms of his pass protection as well. It's not. It's one of those things where it's not perceptible, but he's getting a bit better over the course of a game. He's getting better at re, at uh, at reading a gap blitzes and adjusting. It centers a lot to put on a uh, on a rookie, and uh, it's just taking some time. But he's he's moving be- in the right direction slowly. I couldn't believe some of the hate I saw out there for Lloyd Cushenberry. I I just. I don't understand why everyone is so impatient. It must have something to do with just the pace of the wor- the world we live in in 2020. Like, yeah. come on, a, a rookie center through, what, seven games? And we're already, you know, freaking out about him? I mean, give me a break. 
Yeah, he has struggled, but I've seen signs that he is getting better. And we knew that he was going to struggle. That was fair to expect him to be the worst player on the Broncos' offensive line this year. Totally. Mm-hmm. Except for maybe Elijah Wilkinson. Um, <laughs> next one from Casper. Fellas, this week I've been feeling great and in such a better mood because of the Broncos beat the Chargers in an epic come-from-behind win. So when I'm like this, I can't help but see nothing but great times ahead for the Broncos. So on this feel-good Friday, I'll make a prediction that the Broncos will finish the season 10-6 and with the only losses coming from KC and New Orleans. With that being said, if they lose, I'll mope around the house all week and predict they will never win another game. I don't know about you guys, but my life would be so much easier if I wasn't emotionally attached to sports. <laughs> yeah, but then you'd be mostly emotionally attached to something else that is way lamer than sports. So, uh, <laughs> Or not emotionally attached to anything at all, which is just boring. Yeah, and you wouldn't have these high highs that you're having this week. Yep. Um, I, I am very confident in my ability to – compartmentalize my feelings on Colorado football this year now that could go out the window at any moment I'm, I'm waiting for that that switch to flip but at this point I think I am going to be at peace with whatever happens with the Buffs this year are they winning tomorrow nope <laughs> okay right I'll ask you five minutes before kickoff tomorrow please do please do <laughs> um it's really started to set in for me that I'm not going to be at Folsom Field tomorrow, and mm. it's a pretty tough pill to swallow, honestly. I, I, I thought I was going to be okay, and I, I just mm. – that's the one thing that I'm going to have a really hard time with. It's been, um, gosh, uh, almost 20 years since I missed a home game at Folsom Field, and uh, it sucks. Yeah, that mm. does. Man, 20 years, that is wild. Yeah, yeah. I think it's actually 19 to be exact. Wow. So are they doing no fans? Uh, yeah, no fans at all. And the Pac-12 said basically right when they announced the season, no fans for any teams for the whole season. Yeah, yeah. Understandable. Man, 20 years, that's wild. It is. It last, is. last one, I think, here, coming in from the other Ryan. My boys, the last time the Broncos wore blue jerseys in Atlanta, John Elway and Mike Shanahan defeated Dan Reeves' Falcons 29-21 to in week five of the 97 season. Here's to a similar result on Sunday. Absent the Broncos losing Brandon McManus to a hip flexor injury like Denver did with Jason Elam in that 97 game. It's time for another fill-in-the-blank Friday. The Broncos defeat the Falcons on Sunday if – Blank, blank, and blank come to fruition. Here's to a victory with no recounts for the Broncos in Georgia. Have a wonderful weekend. DNV Army, salute. The Broncos defeat the Falcons on Sunday if they score more points than them, don't score less points than them, uh, and play better football than them. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, if one, Drew Locke has his mojo back, two, the defense can simply contain the run. They don't have to stop it. They just have to contain it. And three uh, special teams doesn't do something egregious. Yeah, if Julio Jones is held in check, and when I say in check, I'm just saying under 100 yards. He can go off for night. You know what? I'm going to say under 120 yards. He can have a 100-yard game, but just can't go crazy. Um, if Drew Locke has one or fewer turnovers and uh, the Falcons don't go crazy on the ground. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say 120 yards for Julio Jones. So you, you hold him below buck 20. If, if the Broncos win the turnover battle and if Drew Locke completes two-thirds of his passes, 67%. Two-thirds, wow, that's a lot. Guys, how about this for, for Julio Jones? A little preview, a little teaser for the magic number this week. Julio Jones has 137 receiving yards in each of the Falcons' two wins. Mm-hmm. He's, he's hit that exact same number in each of the Falcons' two wins. So, so you can give up 139. Yeah, you could. You can give up 157 <laughs> like they did uh, in week one for Julio, and they still won or still lost. So you just, just can't be exactly on that number. It can't be. Nope. All right. The last one here, I believe, comes in from Locke the Casbah, who says, speaking of the Pop-Tarts discussion, I started listening right as you guys were having this debate but didn't subscribe yet. Now that I can comment, let's clear the air. S'mores Pop-Tarts are decently good, but not even top five. Wow, what a take. Hot Fudge Sunday was treated as the holy grail in my family and with with most friends I talked to in middle school. So it's a little bit of a culture shock to hear you guys heap praise on them uh, let alone for them not to even come up in your guys' discussions as far as I remember. Anyways, I had to speak up for Hot Fudge Sunday Pop-Tarts. P.S. Even at home for Atlanta, a line of minus four for the Falcons is disrespectful. That line shouldn't be more than minus two. Yeah, this tells, you they think the, you. They, this tells you they think the Falcons are one point, one point better than the Broncos on a neutral field. I just I don't see it that way. But and I, don't uh, know, anyways, I don't know if it says that anymore, though, just because – Home field advantage in terms of what we've seen on the on the field this year, it doesn't mean what it used to. I I, I think we're starting to see lines, guys, that reflect what it would be on a neutral field. See, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, I'm based on uh, you know Andre runs all sorts of calculations every week in terms of what the lines should be, uh, and he does calculate in the home three, and usually his numbers are adding up pretty consistently with that home three being included it's just interesting it might eventually change but for some reason they still think that the home three uh exists or at least based on the way that we calculate what the lines should be all three Um, of us think that that's too much we do uh hot fudge sunday i have not had that one i'm just gonna be honest so um I can't speak to it. It, it sounds better me. than s'mores, though. And I, I'm sorry to say that s'mores was a my, – my daughter proclaims s'mores is a swing and a miss. Oh. Wow, that is highly disrespectful. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. Shocker. Uh, I, I haven't had either flavor, but uh, they both sound good. We're all about the fruit flavors here in this house, guys. <laughs> I honestly never choose anything sweet and fruit flavored. Like, I just always go for the chocolatey stuff. Mm, interesting now will you go for like a strawberry pie yeah yeah okay. uh, strawberry rhubarb pie is the most elite pie around um <laughs> but other than that i'm mostly going for like candy i always want the chocolate stuff um s'mores or the uh, pop tarts i always want the chocolate stuff Speaking of rhubarb, and this is kind of a, a different segment or different segue here. Uh, do you guys know what a loofah is? Yes. Yes. You know you can grow your own loofahs? I did not know that. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? It just reminded me of rhubarb. 
Oh, I thought you were going to say it grows like on a rhubarb plant. No, no, just a random Friday fact for you. That is a good Friday fact, and it's a great way for us to wrap things up on the DNVR Broncos podcast for this week. A shout-out to Green Mountain Dental Group, where you can schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam and receive a free Sonicare toothbrush when you do. Tag us and tag them when you go there, and go support a, you know, a, just a really big staple of uh, the DNVR community. They've been a big supporter of us for a long time. They love Colorado sports they are exactly what we look for when we look for a partner. So when you need some dental work, go down to the best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. It's Green Mountain Dental Group. That is going to wrap it up for us this week on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Day off tomorrow, and then we will be with you right after the game. We'd love if you guys tune in live to the post-game show. You can do so on YouTube. We usually go live within the first 15 minutes after the game ends. So just go over to the DNVR YouTube channel. Uh, and wait for us there. We will come on and have a discussion about exactly what went down. But for now, it's going to wrap it up for us. We will talk to you guys soon on the DMVR Broncos podcast. It's getting-